My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very cool winter morning here in the capital, but I am delighted to say that joining me on today's programme to hopefully add some real warmth and brightness to affairs is Robin Landsman, qualified osteopath, motivational speaker and communications coach. Um, Robin is the founder of the COGUK.info training programme, which helps encourage leadership speaker skills and how to help health professionals really discover their voice and make a difference to the industry. Um, Robin, very warm welcome to yourself this morning and by all means, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Well, it's lovely to meet you online. Thank you for having me. Very kind. Uh, it's a real pleasure, Robin. So um, obviously you've got quite a history of sort of establishing your own businesses now. Of course, you sort of established that body backup chain of clinics and now you've mm-hmm. sort of formed this training program to really sort of develop leadership speaker skills within the healthcare sector. So did you sort of realise early on in your career that going and sort of establishing businesses, organisations, movements of your own was really going to be the way forward for you? Well, actually, when I started osteopathy, and we're talking 33 years ago, uh, was not nearly as well known and received. And, and these days, we're actually allied health professionals within NHS recognition. So things have moved on. So in the beginning, going back to your question, it was absolutely vital to get out and share osteopathy as a concept um, within other professional groups, actually, amongst others. And so my main work at the beginning was very much speaking in hospitals, to GP groups uh, widely. Um, and that, so that was the very beginning, really, of, uh, of getting out there, in a sense, to share what I did and how I worked. Yeah, and with regards to the uh, the training program side of things, I'm right in saying answer that that sort of grew out of the uh, the lockdown. So when we talk about sort of some of the many challenges that businesses and organisations have faced, uh, you saw a real opportunity there, and something really good has grown out of that. Well, I think it had developed over a period of time, but like everyone, didn't have time until there was a lockdown to mm. sit down and really think about it over the last year or two. Um, so that was an opportunity, really, that that arose. Um, but I think in all my different roles, in leadership roles that I've done in osteopathy, I was president of the Institute um, and I worked in teaching and was starting to do, actually before the lockdown period for a couple of years, a lot of coaching for healthcare professionals um, through the Council of Deans of Health. Um, and so these, all these things were brewing in a sense in a while, realizing that developing my project COG UK was very much about um, capitalizing really on all that knowledge and experience to really help enable other people to start to share not just their knowledge, but also impart their enthusiasm mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to, to really to, uh, to start to influence others really in how they were working. So that, that was kind of the, uh, that time during lockdown, if you like that I mm. use well. <laughs> yeah, and I think that does address sort of a pressing need, doesn't it? Because when we think of leaders, I suppose we can instantly sort of envision people that are on pedestals that are sort of quite charismatic, whereas people can sort of demonstrate sort of leadership and enthusiasm being one of those sort of cogs behind the scenes. But the sort of pitfall of that is when it comes to sort of these big business meetings, etc. those are the sorts of people that aren't having their voices heard per se. So mm-hmm. this is about sort of, giving them that amplification really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Very much so. I mean, I think looking just at the other side of the coin for a moment, also you've got the ordinary, the patient, their voice, um, and how that meets their needs, um, or perhaps sometimes doesn't, and it's very hard to actually get heard. But in the same way, as you've said, that the people uh, in all levels of healthcare, everyone who's got a healthcare role, in my opinion, is actually a leader. I mean, they have to take on leadership roles. They don't always realise that when they first train, but it becomes obvious and clear that the population, the community needs 
that kind of direction and leadership. And that's been shown definitely through the last couple of years, particularly. Mm. Um, um, so that to me is now uh, the imperative. A lot of things were happening online and it's now going back more to face to face and getting in there and actually sharing passions and, and, and being present at whatever level of leadership you're at. Mm. And that's very important as well, isn't it? Because as much as sort of the online and remote side of things has really served as well over the uh, the last two years or so, um, I think as social creatures, human beings as we are, we need that face-to-face contact. And I think this is sort of being really well seen, isn't it, in the debate between what the workplace of the future is going to look like. Businesses really value that sort of physical office space more often than not because mm-hmm. it brings people together to share ideas and it brings those sort of water cooler moments, I think they call it on the other side of the Atlantic, to really sort of drive mm-hmm. innovation forward. So it is vital that we continue to have that. Yeah, totally. I think that the face-to-face has that naturalness, has all that body language that goes on, but not everyone's adept at it. Um, so, you know, people have learned new skills actually, I think, online and, and through video conferencing and such things. So they now can actually use those skills they've gradually built to actually make even better use of that face-to-face meeting. It's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a sense, mm. but it's taught people new skills and different confidences. And now I think there's going to be many more people making those connections going forward, which is a really exciting time to build and call forward even more people to be, in a sense, responsible representatives to connect better. So yeah, it's a, it's kind of a all these things become an opportunity if you see them that way. Exactly right, and uh, just because, of course, mental health is uh, and mental health awareness is something that skyrocketed during the uh, the pandemic as mm. well. I do want to touch on that very briefly because. I think when it comes to the sort of face-to-face interaction, as we've talked about, it is sort of quite easy when you're sort of in a leadership position to kind of pick up on sort of certain social cues, isn't it, compared to, say, in a Zoom meeting, where something might not be sort of quite right in sort of the headspace Mm -hmm. of one of your employees, for instance. So Mm -hmm. it makes that intervention sort of far more easier, which, again, sort of demonstrates the importance of that. Definitely. I mean, as an osteopath health practitioner, you know, the mental health part mixing with the physical discomfort and pain that we've seen plenty of uh, in terms of neck problems and back problems and he- tension headaches. This mixed and has mixed very strongly with, with the, the problems people have suffered mentally. And I think when they meet naturally, or some of the time, hopefully, people do sort of have that moment to have a coffee or have a chat that's the side chat to the main purpose of the meeting, if you like, or the main purpose of gathering. Um, and I think some of those times have been missed heavily. Um, so that little chance, and now it's become actually even more that people are aware of the need of that little bit of extra support or that checking in with people. I think in general terms across healthcare, but also um, in healthcare, people talk about make every consultation count, MECC. And in a sense, it's make every meeting with people in business, work, even family as well, of course, um, that you can actually just go a little bit deeper to see how people are doing um, and give them that opportunity because I think that liberates, um, you know, in a sense, a feeling of well-being and closeness that then makes people work more effectively, contribute more in other ways. So it's mm. not a fake way to encourage people to contribute more, but it's definitely a good way to connect and, and get the best from people. I think that's very right, isn't it? And we've seen that in uh, the businesses and organisations that have done very well during the pandemic. Quite often they are sort of very robust in their sort of well-being policies. And mm-hmm. out there in what is a very, very difficult environment for recruitment right now, um, the demands mm-hmm. of um, prospective sort of um, employees, uh, they're really changing, mm-hmm. aren't they? Candidates are very much more aware of what are your well-being policies and what are your sort of corporate social responsibility policies. They're a lot more aware of that. They're, a lot, they're well, questioning a lot more about that. 
totally so. But the only thing I would say is paying lip service to it or providing health mm. healthcare. I mean, it's great and useful to have all these opportunities offered to employees, but I think there has to be a genuineness from the heart, you know. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, even greening issues and, uh, you know, keeping, keeping you know, employees well looked after, I think it, as I say, lip service isn't enough. And um, providing, I think some of the employees, certainly I've treated, some of the companies are certainly a lot more open to genuinely really making a massive effort. And I've been quite bowled over sometimes by how some of the companies who've really been very concerned and incredibly caring. Others have been a little less uh, in there or perhaps a little bit slow in responding, I think, is the truth. They've probably had challenges and uh, things to deal with, no doubt, as many have. And um, so, you know, it's taken a very long time to have their workstation assessed on a simple level, you know, at home, um, so that uh, people have been left with really poor setups for a very long time. Um, you know, so things have taken time. It's a learning curve for many. Um, but I suppose it's the genuineness, really, that's needed to address the mental health and, and, and make sure people are really okay. Yeah, exactly. And having mentioned that sort of L word there, learning, I suppose every single day is a school day and the last two years have certainly reminded us of that. Um, so yeah. are there any sort of major lessons that you feel that maybe you've taken from the experience of managing through this time um, that's going to sort of help make your business um, and everything that you do that bit more resilient moving forward? Yeah, I think I think we've, we've sort of tried to <laughs> make some of our symptoms, sorry, our systems a little bit more streamlined. So that we've actually, in our practice at Body Backup, you know, we've actually managed to, you know, work totally with online bookings and actually do video calls for people on occasion when they want some extra support. So we've shifted some of what we do. Obviously, the demand for what we do is very much that people want to see us, they want to talk to us, and they they want hands-on care that we can offer. So that that's made it limiting on that level. But but we've managed to spend a lot of time streamlining what we do and how we arrange bookings. And that, that actually has helped people. You know, people wake up on a Sunday morning and think, I've just got to see someone for help. They can book anytime, you know, 365, 24 hours a day. That kind of simple little extra thing has made a big difference, actually, to, to helping people really book something and take action. Because it's very easy to wake up in the morning and think, I really must do something today about it. But actually being able to book it and arrange it straight away is a massive bonus mm. for people, definitely. It is certainly, and um, obviously streamlining those processes, making it more convenient. I mean, this is only going to help really when it comes to addressing that sort of backlog that's there in sort of the NHS waiting list, and that's been a very, very well-documented issue, and it seems that clinics such as yours are in a very good position to be able to sort of assist in bringing that down over time. Yeah, well, people are definitely looking, yes, and it's a good question, people are definitely looking for faster access uh, and actually trying to try different um, avenues also of care. So osteopathy has always been not alternative, in fact, at all, but actually we would say a first choice for many people. Um, but as people have spoken online and shared ideas, the referrals have come from from different sources, actually, than we were, we were getting before, and certainly online, and people are sharing um, who to go to and, and what's not only effective and useful, but also easy to get into and easy to get access. I mean, that doesn't put down anything that the NHS is doing, but one of the things that's noticeable is the communication gap for the issue. It's not the individual mm. services so much as actually connecting things up. And obviously being smaller practices, as many osteopaths are, we, we, we're a bit more connected up internally to actually make sure we deliver um, as much as we can uh, to people who, who need us. So that, to be honest at the moment, getting access and making that connection and taking action is what people need to, to, to know they can do because it's, it's incredibly frustrating and worrying for people to actually spend a lot of time worrying about being in pain and potential illness uh, and that worry in itself is adding to their mental health burden. Mm. So 
So people are keen to take action to shift that mental health burden and start taking responsibility for their health and getting some help with it, really. So I think that's, that's very key. Um, and in fact, I don't know if I'm going on too long at this point, but I think um, I'm a trustee also of the Institute of Health Promotion and Education. Mm. Um, just another little <laughs> thing I get involved with, but that's actually um, what we talk about a lot with health promotion and health education is all about this um, connectedness of offering services to people in the place where they are, in the community where they are, and really hearing their needs and actually trying to find places that are more upstream and downstream, if that makes sense, to help people. So mm. get in interventions early. Don't wait too long because just what I said about the mental health and suffering, if people are in pain and don't get help, their problems are only going further downstream and actually accumulating and actually getting worse. So, um, yeah, delays, unfortunately, do often lead to things mm. getting worse. Yeah. Absolutely right. And when we hear the government now, obviously, when the health and care bill is going through Parliament talking about things like integrated care systems, do you feel that this bodes well for the future in that respect to try and resolve those very problems? Well, I think this, this, the problem is a lot of things have offered, sort of operated within silos um, and different types of healthcare have often done that over the years. And, and so the pressure of that is that the communication between professionals often breaks down and I think the great thing about allied healthcare professionals, um, which osteopaths are part of that 14 professions, that's an example of where the pulling together within the NHS and outside um, has actually meant that these professional groups are reducing their feeling of being separate entities, but actually becoming allied healthcare professionals as, as a group. And that as a benefit to patients is I think that it's going to connect up healthcare and it's going to mean that instead of getting passed around perhaps and, and, and lots of uncertainty developing, it's going to mean there's much more direction for people to take in terms of getting healthcare. And the professionals are talking more to each other. In fact, my project, COG UK Info, the, the speaker training for leaders in mm. healthcare is actually starting actually next month um, and launching in a part of the UK where we're trialing the whole concept of improving the way teams of healthcare professionals speak within their group and also to their stakeholders and externally to, to all sorts of other groups. Um, and to enhance that is absolute mission because, you know, for me, that, that is going to actually, I think, and hope, hope <laughs> that that's my mission is to, to enhance the way people, you know, really um, can do a better job by speaking out and sharing what they know with greater eloquence and, um, uh, you know, and, and, and passion, really sharing that passion. Exactly right. And I, I imagine that obviously over the uh, the next uh, year or so and beyond, uh, you've got huge plans for that sort of first year of COG UK, really building that up and getting that out there, because it is a fantastic mm -hmm. mission that uh, the training program is uh, is on. And um, I can imagine you're also looking to sort of consolidate the body backup clinics work as well. So um, I think it's only right that we sort of talk about that in a little bit more detail. Um, mm -hmm. By sort of this time next year in 2023, I mean, what really are you hoping to sort of achieve to have achieved on both fronts, Robin? On both fronts. Well, I think hopefully we will be able to share amongst allied healthcare professionals further across the country for COG UK um, mm -hmm. so that the, even to develop a train the trainer program. And my real hope is to actually get some of the leaders that get trained to become part of the scheme, if you like, to train their cohorts and other groups um, to share these enhanced communication skills. And, and really, a lot of them are about getting to know themselves better and gain confidence really in themselves. So that's the first big step and um, greater confidence, um, feeling more grounded and, and getting to know their inner motivations um, uh, and their strengths and some of the weaker areas so they can develop themselves and feel that they are the whole person when they deliver whatever it is they're talking about. Um, 
and that there's no gaps in that. Um, I call it having a backstory, um, mm. a bit like in theatre or film. When you walk on stage, you have to be that whole character. You can't warm up. You've got to be in it. You've got to be wearing those shoes and, and, and be ready to go. So the COG UK project, that would be my hope um, to try that out. In the UK and actually I've had some interest from abroad as well, so we'll wait and see what happens. But obviously my COG UK title has UK in the title and I'm very keen to, to obviously work with um, communities around, around the UK. Um, and for body backup uh, as a practice, I mean, it's been going a, a long time, uh, 33 years now. Um, and I'm keen that, that we keep serving our communities, that we actually manage with the associates who work within the practice to keep them supported and, and doing the best job they can to, to help people. Um, we want to enhance some of the practice meetings that we have to actually ensure there's continuity of care and that we share new ideas. Um, we've just completed um, a three-year cycle on our continuing professional development program. And I chose, actually, we did our peer review, uh, one of my colleagues in the practice and me, so we could actually talk about stuff that really related to body backup and our osteopathic practice. Uh, which I think was a growth thing for the two of us to actually do that um, and share um, some case studies and work like that. So I think developing the team, developing how we operate, and I think also communicating more through our website. I mean, I, we're working on that almost all the time to to try and find better messaging um, that we can put out there. And that's so over the next sort of you know six months to a year, that's definitely something we're working with. Um, and and I think the other part to finish on that is to look at greater amounts of gaining feedback from people, really. Not just positive praise, but to actually um, to look at what people are saying about how we operate. Um, you know, there, are, there have been challenges um, dealing with paperwork and dealing with insurance, health insurance things over the last couple of years. Um, so systems have been a little bit hard to, hard to work with. But, you know, we're, we are getting there. Um, and I think other companies that we deal with are getting there as well. So hopefully, hopefully that, uh, you know, things are, things are going to be manageable and improved as we go. Yes, hopefully so. And um, I do sort of wish you all the luck in the world in all of those um, endeavours, Robin. It's fantastic what you're uh, looking to do. And uh, I'd certainly relish the opportunity at some point to perhaps even catch up and have you back on the show in this next year just to see how it's all sort of coming to fruition well, for thank you. you. Be, it's been really interesting. I, I love getting the questions you've asked because, to be honest, ask, getting asked questions, not only does it show interest, but it actually it actually helps me um, contemplate what we're trying to achieve and where we're going with things so thank you very much yeah, it's been a real pleasure Robin and um, just a sort of last word just for more the listeners than anything else just because we do have some of those that do tune in that are sort of of the younger and more entrepreneurial mindset so having sort of built your own sort of clinic yourself and also having built your own training program with that experience that you've had if you sort of had to give any piece of advice to somebody who was looking to kind of start out in business what advice would you give them to really sort of get on that road to success initially? Well, I think one of, the, one of the keys is definitely to reading and researching some of the background rather than the actual base knowledge of what you're offering and selling. So it's about the systems and it's about very much looking at automating functions and simplifying functions that just help things run more smoothly. Um, I think, you know, I started quite a while ago, so now everything's much more digital and much more... Um, you know, using online sort of uh, resources. So I would say absolutely start like that and make sure that's the way it goes on because I think that's, that's the world we're in. Um, and I think it has been difficult. So I know other practitioners, we've, we've been doing this for some time to develop that digital way of working. Uh, but I think it's a, a key part um, to in, sort of enhancing healthcare services. So, so that to me is, 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 is 
really the watchword. And I think read around the topic uh, and learn about life. Um, actually, funny enough, I started doing quite a lot of play directing and things and reading lots of plays, um, which sounds a little strange, uh, but that's become and has been a great passion of mine. But it actually broadens the mind. It broadens the interactions. Um, so it's really useful to have another string to your bow, another interest that's a passion because it informs both worlds. It really does. Um, so that would be my other thing. Don't get your head totally in the books of work and business, and uh, but actually have some other passion that really helps stimulate your mind in different ways. Um, so that would be my, uh, yeah, my tip. Mm. I suppose it all links into work-life balance, doesn't it? Very, very sound advice yeah. indeed. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, Robin, once again, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the uh, the programme today. It's been an immense pleasure having you with us. And uh, do take care and stay safe by all means with everything still going on in the world as well. Indeed. <laughs> thank you. It was a real pleasure welcoming Robin Landsman onto today's programme. And I do hope that everyone tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview. And to all of our listeners that are tuning into this podcast today, if you happen to run your own business or organisation which you feel has its own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we want to hear from you. So why not apply to be on the show yourself via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because we'd love to hear your story too. Until next time, to all of our regular listeners, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Take care and goodbye.